The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Are you trying to master the game of life without success? There are secrets and strategies to living your best life. We'll share some of them with you on today's show. Take advantage of this series to become an expert at relationships. All relationships. It's time to live the life that you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Sandra Reich. Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Today we have a very important guest and a very fascinating and I think urgent topic for people to hear about. I'm very honored to have with me Dr. Neil Bernard, who I recently got to hear speak. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that later. Uh, He is an American doctor and author, a clinical researcher, and a founding president of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Definitely going to want to talk about that, which is an international network of doctors, scientists, and lay people. Um, He's an advocate of a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet, and he's done all sorts of research on that, which we'll talk about. And as of 2015, he's an adjunct associate professor of medicine at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. He founded the non-profit Bernard Medical Center, and he is the author of um, 17 books and more than 70 published papers on nutrition and its impact on human health. He stars in three PBS specials about diet and health, and he serves on the advisory board of Naked Food magazine, for which he is also a regular contributor of articles espousing a plant-based diet. He's a brilliant man. Please uh, welcome, help me. Well, they're, they're not going to be able to help me right now, but I want to say welcome to the show, Dr. Bernard. I really appreciate this. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you. Thanks for including me in the program. Well, I had um, an incredible experience. I went on um, a trip recently, and uh, the first person speaking on the trip was you. And I want you to know, and it will come up today, what a profound impact you had on me and my entire family. And so I definitely went running up to you and asked you if you could come on the radio. And you're a pretty busy guy, so I really appreciate this because I wanted people to have the information. Um, Like yourself, I believe that um, people should and have to make their own choices, but I feel the information needs to get out there. So um, I'm so happy to have you here to help you know, muddle through all the information we're bombarded with daily on nutrition. Um, so I guess the first thing I want to ask you is what is your mission in terms of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine? What does that mean? Um, I founded this organization back in 1985 because back then and, and even today, doctors really don't do much of anything until a disease is ready to come in the emergency room door. In other words, we don't we don't try to prevent heart problems. We don't try to prevent cancer. We don't try to prevent diabetes. We just try to pick up the pieces you know, once it's happened. And so we need to, to do that. And um, also, in addition to promoting prevention, we need to focus on food more than we are doing now. Right now, there's such a focus on drugs. Um, but if a person has weight problems, 
or a cholesterol problem or high blood pressure or diabetes, in most cases, the biggest contributor is food, and we've got to focus on that. And I'm happy to say that the research that we have done and that many other people have done it has really shown the power of healthy eating to turn these things around. So, so we, we've got the tools there. We just need to make sure that people are aware of them and can put them to use. Okay, so we're starting with actually some very good news. If, if I understood you right, you're saying that food can play a huge role in turning things around on disease. Oh, absolutely. We, we, we can not only prevent diabetes in many cases, but there's so often we can turn it around so that diabetes improves. In some cases, it will go away. Um, wow. We are now looking at conditions like Alzheimer's disease, which we thought were just related to aging or genetics, and we now have, are finding nutritional clues there, too. So uh, this is an extremely exciting time, and uh, the answer seems to be on your plate. Which is great news. So that does bring up the question is, you know, you call it responsible medicine. So, and I'm sure you're not suggesting that we're getting irresponsible medicine. So how come not all our doctors know about this? How come I had to go so far away from home to find out about this? Well, hopefully, hopefully things are changing. Uh, but it's, it's unfortunately true that nutrition is really not emphasized in medical school. Even after we did our work that was funded by NIH, uh, the National Institutes of Health, Back in 2003, we were funded, which is many years ago, and we showed that a low-fat plant-based diet could, in some cases, reverse diabetes. To this date, most doctors aren't using it. They don't know much about it. They're much happier to prescribe you insulin injections. Patients will say, keep your injections. (laughs) Give me a healthier diet. I'd much rather not be on medication. So things do have to change. Now, the good news is I am talking with more and more doctors all the time who are saying, they have been inspired to use this approach. Um, they find that patients like it much better, and it's obviously a lot cheaper to be eating asparagus than it is to be injecting yourself with insulin. So, <laughs> yeah, <it's>, uh, <laughs> so sure. I, I, I think things are not where they need to be, but things are changing, and they are starting to get better. I love your optimism and enthusiasm. Um, I'm glad to hear it because since I've come home and, you know, I talk about a plant-based diet, which I'm going to ask you what that means in a moment, I do find that people are sometimes quite taken aback by this. Um, and even there's even a reaction of kind of like a defensiveness almost. So let's start with what is a plant-based diet? Plant-based diet basically... It, it, it means the opposite of everything that I grew up with. I, I, grew up in Far, I grew up in Fargo, North Dakota, you know, right down south of Winnipeg. And uh, every day of my life, it was roast beef, baked potatoes, and, and corn, except for mm. special occasions when it was roast beef, baked potatoes, and peas. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we, 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 we have learned that the, a healthful diet means avoiding animal products. Throw out the meat and the dairy products and eggs. You do not need animal fat or cholesterol in your diet at all. Okay. And I would go another step. I would keep the fried junk and uh, out of the diet too. Um, Even so if it's that, plant-based. Uh, a, a plant-based diet means means healthy uh, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, and all of the things that that will turn into. So for breakfast, maybe it's blueberry pancakes with maple syrup or. Uh, Oatmeal topped with cinnamon and raisins and sliced strawberries for lunch. Maybe if, if it's chili, it's not the meat chili. It'll be the chunky vegetable chili. Or if we're at a fancy uh, Italian restaurant for dinner, my angel hair pasta will not be dripping with Alfredo sauce. Instead, it would be 
wild mushrooms or artichoke hearts or a tangy tomato sauce or something tasty. But always think vegetarian, think vegan. Uh, think about the plant products, throw the animal products off your plate. Okay. So now the, first of all, I'm curious how this happened for you. You said you grew up on a farm. So how did you become plant-based? The year before I went to medical school, medical school, the, the, the year before I went to medical school, I had a job in a hospital. I was helping out at autopsies. Uh, a patient would die in the hospital, and I would help examine the body. And the pathologist knew that I was going to go to medical school, so he would show me everything. And he would show me the narrowed arteries to the heart, the narrowed arteries to the brain. And he would say, Neil, this is your bacon and eggs breakfast. That's what does oh, it. God. And it was very eye-opening. And one day we had a person who died in the hospital, probably from eating hospital food, but that's another issue. Anyway, <laughs> patient had a heart attack. Um, and he, to show me the heart, he pulled a big chunk of ribs off the chest, which you don't do with great delicacy. You just cut through the ribs and set them on the table. And he showed me the heart, which was filled with atherosclerotic plaque. And at the end of the exam, he wrote up his notes, and the pathologist then left the room. And my job was to clean up. So I took the ribs and I put them back in the chest and made them fit with the other ribs and sewed up the skin and everything. And then I went up to the cafeteria when I was done. And they were serving ribs for lunch. Oh, and my. I want to tell you that between the look of it and the smell of it, I, I couldn't eat it. It was a dead body. It smelled like it. Wow. And, and, of course, it is a dead body. And yeah. as time went on, I started to associate the two. And research has, a, has shown us, obviously, that when people eat the bodies of animals, I know that's a peculiar way to put it, but they get cholesterol and animal fat, and their risk of diseases increases. And then, of course, we hear from our friends about other issues. They'll say, well, the animals do a whole lot better if you don't eat them, and the earth breathes easier if you follow a plant-based diet. There's every good reason to go in this direction. But uh, those are the experiences that hit me. Wow. Okay, so um, you've mentioned, and I want to go through, that our current North American diet, many of us eating meat and dairy, causes diseases. So um, can you explain this to our listeners, what diseases and how, why would that be causing disease? Okay, well, the, the first one is just being heavy. You stand on the scale. A lot of folks in Canada are overweight, just like a lot of folks in the United States, about two-thirds of right. adults. Two-thirds right. of adults do not have the kind of weight that they would like to have. Um, they have a, a body weight that's going to increase the risk of disease. Well, why would that be? Well, if you look at your plate, the center of it is some chunk of meat, whether it's a pork chop or fish or chicken or beef or whatever it may be, it's meat. And we're having mm -hmm. cheese and dairy products and eggs. Because these foods are not from plants, they don't have any fiber at all, not a speck of fiber. And if foods do not have fiber, that means that they're not as naturally filling as they would be. So it, let's say I were to eat a plate of beans or some vegetables. They have a lot of fiber, and that fiber tends to fill you up, but fiber has effectively no calories. So the fiber fills you up, you push away from the table, and this is nature's way of protecting your body weight. Uh, meat, meat, is not, meat is not from a plant. It has zero fiber. So every calorie in that you get, and it takes a little bit longer for you to, to fill up. Uh, cheese is not from a plant. It has no fiber. So it is very easy to dose yourself with 100 extra calories of cheese before you push away from the table. So why are people in Canada heavy? Because we do not have a plant-based diet. It's because what we're doing is reading animal products. 
Now, you can do the same with oily foods. Um, if I'm you sorry, eat, we lost you for... We, did I fall out? You fell out. Can you just repeat that, Dr. Bernard? Okay. Um, uh, did you, when I was talking about just, how meat has no fiber and how dairy has no yeah, fiber, did, no, we, did I you get had that. Just the last part about the cheese. Okay. Well, what, what I was saying is that cheese, much as people may, may crave it sometimes, it is not a plant. It has no fiber. It is very easy to get 100 extra calories uh, of cheese before you fill up. So it's really important to uh, uh, bring the plant products back into your routine. That means grains and vegetables and fruits and beans. So you're saying that on top of everything else, right away, the, the first link towards disease is weight. That's so right. it right away brings our weight down. That's right. And the second thing is that animal fat causes your blood cholesterol level to rise, and that in turn brings on heart attacks. Number mm-hmm. three which is the number one killer in Canada. Num- num- number three, when you cook meat, carcinogens form on the meat. Chicken is the biggest source of these cancer-causing chemicals, but you'll also see it in beef and even in, in fish. When fish comes off the grill, it's got carcinogens on it that form as it is heated. Um, wow. uh, about one in three women will get cancer so- at some point in their life in Canada. About one in two men uh, will get cancer. If they were not eating animal products, their cancer risk would drop. Uh, and maybe the last thing to mention is diabetes. Uh, diabetes is a condition where there's too much sugar in your blood. That sugar, glucose, is trying to get into your muscle cells to power them. That, that's what it's supposed to do. Uh, that sugar is trying to get into your liver so it can be stored there for energy for later. That's normal. If you have diabetes, the glucose can't get into the muscles where it belongs and it builds up in the bloodstream. The reason that happens is because our greasy breakfast uh, contributed particles of fat into the bloodstream. They got into the muscle cells, and when the fat builds up inside the muscle cells, it interferes with the ability of that sugar to get out of the blood into the muscle. See what I mean? The, fat, the cells oh, yeah. build up. When the fat clogs the cells, the glucose can't get inside. So w- when a person follows a vegan diet, a plant-based diet, there is no more animal fat left. And if they keep the oils really low, too, there's not much of any kind of fat. And when they do that, the fat from their cells starts to dissipate and the diabetes can improve or sometimes even go away. Wow. That's huge. That's huge. Um, I'm curious also, I've read also in your work that even Alzheimer's is part of the list of diseases that is affected by if you're eating a plant-based as opposed to a meat diet. How is that possible? Um, in Chicago, the Chicago Health and Aging Study uh, started tracking people's diets starting in 1993, and they found that the more people are eating bad fat, the, specifically the saturated fat that is in dairy products but also in meat, uh, the more of that you eat, the higher your risk of Alzheimer's. It can be as much as tripled. Um, so if we're looking for another reason to get away from animal fat, that's, that's a biggie. Um, trans fats uh, in snack foods have a similar effect. Um, and there, there are many other things, but, but that alone is, is a really important thing to be aware of. Yeah, that's Alzheimer's, cancer, um, heart disease, weight, um, and it goes on and on, doesn't it? Uh, it, it does. Um, it is really quite surprising. If people would follow a healthy plant-based diet, along with, along with a, a good lifestyle, not smoking, staying physically active, 
uh, you're not going to live forever, but your health is going to be so much better than it would be otherwise. Okay. A quick question before we go to break. I did notice when researching you that you, you, you started out as a psychiatrist. Is that right? Yep. So I, my quick question for you is, since you know we're, you have a psychological background, I was mentioning to you that there is, in some of the population, a great resistance against this, uh, a sense of defensiveness. What is your feeling on that? Like, how do you understand that? Well, I, I think to some extent it's natural and even good for people to be a little bit skeptical of, of diet changes that are suggested to them. And when I say it's natural, if you were to go to Tanzania and look at chimpanzees, um, if a baby chimp wanders off and picks up some berry that their troop does not eat, that chimp's mother or sister is going to take that out of the chimp's hands and... and um, Animals develop certain eating habits that sustain them, and so they don't want to, to change that because so far, so good. Humans are the same way. If somebody says, no, don't eat that, you should be eating this, they're naturally skeptical. They think, maybe this isn't really good for me. I think that's not such a bad thing. However, um, the foods that we are eating now, the foods that we have become accustomed to, they're killing us. Um, they're mm. causing problems. And until... Fairly recently, we didn't recognize it. We thought heart attacks are caused by being old. I got diabetes because of a genetic problem. We now know that food is the biggest uh, controller, controllable factor in these conditions. So, so it is important for us to, to um, take advantage of what is now known. The, the other thing, though, is there are a lot of fad books out there that one day it'll say, you know, eat this, and the next day it'll say eat that. And so I think people have become a little bit weary with it. However... Yeah. The one theme that has emerged very consistently is that plant-based foods are good for you. Vegetables are good. Fruits are good. Beans are good. Whole grains are good. That was true before. It's still true now. And that is the message. You don't need animal products. You're better off without them. Um, That's a new idea for people, but it's really clearly true. I'm here with the brilliant Dr. Bernard. We'll take a short break. Lots more to come on Straight Talk with Sandra Rich. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Spa Munari is a full-service wellness day spa located at the heart of West Island, Quebec. Submerge yourself in beauty with one of our many treatments, specially catered to your needs. We offer facials, manicures, pedicures, hair removal, massages, body treatments, and so much more. Enjoy our ultimate relaxation experience with our spa packages. We offer a men's menu as well. Call us today to book your next appointment at 514-695-5040 or visit us on the web at spamunari.com. That's 514-695-5040 or spamunari.com. 
Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. We're back, Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, with uh, Dr. Neil Bernard, Physicians for Responsible Medicine. Um, we were talking about sort of the uh, pushback sometimes, and I love, the again, your positivity that it's normal for people to be skeptical, and I really don't think it's a good idea to go around telling people how they should eat. I mean, not you, but me. Like, you know, I so I certainly don't do that, but I noticed that, you know, on the Facebook, you write an article, you put an article up, and there's a lot of um, resistance at times, and these are the things people say, so I thought, you know, you know what? I'm going to throw them out at you. Uh, people say, don't we need red meat for iron? Doctor? Um, you do. Well, it's nice that a person asks. You do need iron, um, but if you got it from red meat, red meat came from a cow probably. The cow doesn't make iron. Where does the cow get the iron? The cow gets the iron from grass. In other wow. words, from a plant. So if you look at plants like green leafy vegetables, or beans, they have lots of iron, and that's where animals get it from. So you can get it from the source directly. Um, If you look at, say, broccoli or spinach or Brussels sprouts, all of them, they've got lots of iron in it. It's highly absorbable. That's a perfectly good source of it. Um, If you're drinking milk, that actually interferes with iron absorption. It can cut it by as much as half. So uh, get your iron from plant sources, and you're going to do well. Okay, that's a great answer for that question. I think by saying that, you're almost saying that the cow is the middleman. We're getting our... (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the way to put it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, interesting. Um, What about, you know, uh, the idea of complete protein? You know, our society is really big on this protein, protein. Um, So they say, well, people who eat plant-based can't possibly be getting enough protein. Well, you do get plenty of protein. Um, And... The, the, the short answer is plants give you all the protein that you need, including a person who needs a little extra protein like an athlete. Plants give it all to you, no problem. Now here's the, the detail. A protein molecule is, if you looked at it under a, string, uh, under a uh, powerful microscope, it looks like a string of beads, and each bead is an amino acid. And people who have studied protein know that there are certain essential amino acids that you need to get. Plants have them all. Now, if you have a variety of plants, you get a really good mixture of all the essential amino acids. So if you're eating rice, have some beans with it. Have a vegetable mm. with it. You get, you get a, a really good um, combination of all the essential amino acids, and you're never going to be protein deficient. I wouldn't worry about that at all. If anybody is skeptical, go out into the nearest rural area, pick out the biggest bowl you can see, the fastest stallion, 
or go to the zoo and look at the tallest giraffe or the biggest elephant. That the rippling muscles on those animals' bodies was built entirely from plant protein. Those are vegans. Wow. Um, so you're going to get all the protein that you need from plant products. I love that idea of going to look at the animals. You know, I think people don't realize that that's even possible. This is a great idea to go look at those animals. There are a lot of mammals that are vegan. When I tell people that, they don't believe me. Yeah, well, well, there, there certainly are. And, and keep in mind, we are not carnivores. We are not c- cats or dogs. Uh, we are great apes. And the great apes are, for the most part, plant eaters. Um, I know someone's going to ask then, and when you say we're not carnivores, why do we have teeth that are like uh, canine then, if we're not carnivores? Uh, well, you don't. Um, take, a <laughs> look at, take a look at your cat or your dog at some point. When, when your cat next yawns, look at your cat's teeth. They are these long, fang-like teeth um, that are very good for killing small animals and ripping the, their hide off their bones. Now, then go into the bathroom and open your mouth in front of your medicine cabinet mirror. And what you discover is that your canine teeth are no longer than your incisors. And if you look back in time, that, that change occurred at least three and a half million years ago. So it's really easy for a cat to eat roadkill, but if you tried it, you would have a really, really, really hard time. Yeah, I can see that. So it's not quite the same thing. You know, our teeth not, are not the same. It's not at all the same thing. Okay. So then I guess it begs the question, so where did meat and dairy eating come from? Is, is it evolutionary or how did this happen? It happened, I, I actually put that question to Richard Leakey, the famous paleoanthropologist. And oh. he said to me, Neil, he, he said, human beings are not carnivores and never were carnivores. The fact that people have, some, um, have somehow taken on the habit of eating meat is, has nothing to do with our nature. Um, what it has to do with is when the Stone Age arrived, we had the capacity to make arrowheads and spears and axes, and that allowed us to do what nature couldn't do. Uh, we don't have sharp claws, and we don't have long, protruding canine teeth the way a cat does. But once the Stone Age arrived, we were able to eat meat. And so many people have taken it up, and they've, if they've been able to overlook all the smelliness of it and the fact that it's extraordinarily cruel to do, um, that it has really caught on. And of course, in some societies where there was very little else to eat, uh, meat may have sustained them at least long enough to breed. Now, meat eaters don't live as long as vegetarians, so overall it's not a good move at all. But Mm. you could imagine a marginal society where there was not much else to eat, um, it caught on. Yeah, and that's how it, what led to us today at this, where we are right now, I suppose, is it caught on. And I think I remember you saying when I heard you speak that the richer the society is, the more meat eating goes on. Unfortunately, that's what we're seeing right now in China. Historically, people in China were thin, relatively, or very, very little diabetes, very little heart disease. Uh, the increasing wealth over the last 15 years or so has created an enormous market for meat. And the population is having cardiovascular disease like never before. They're going to have Alzheimer's disease. They're having diabetes exploding. And uh, it's not genes changing in this country. It's uh, meat and dairy products coming into the diet. Wow. So for people listening, you know, and, you know, people say things like, well, I only have meat once a week or I don't eat red meat. I eat chicken. Is that, does that work? Is that good enough to sort of, you know, cut it down? 
Well, any, any step that a person makes is a good step. However, it's a little bit like cutting down on smoking. If a person mm. goes from a pack a day to a half pack a day, that's good. You know, I'm glad they're doing it. But their risk is still really high. And if they mm. go from a half a pack to zero, that's huge. So when a person is eating meat every few days, they're going to do better than they were doing before. But there is nothing like kicking it out of your, your diet completely. That's when the cholesterol levels really come down and the blood pressure comes down, diabetes gets better, and so forth. Yeah, I've been feeling great since I met you, I must say. Um, so, and this leads me to another talk I heard you give is on cheese, which which is the one that people have a very hard time with. And so I'm wondering, what is it about cheese that like, makes us struggle so much to give it up? You know, it, it really is a funny thing. It is a bit addicting, and I think it's really a couple of things. One is, first of all, to state the obvious, it's very salty. Uh, salt is added as milk is curdled into cheese, and people get kind of hooked on salty things. It's also very greasy. It's about 70% fat. And we've learned a long time ago that fatty things like donuts and so forth are, are attractive, so it's salty and it's greasy. But the, the secret ingredient, I believe, is what are called casomorphins. These are casein-derived morphine-like compounds. Casein is the protein in, in milk, and it's heavily concentrated in cheese. And casomorphins are opiates. They're they have a, an effect on the brain, and uh, evidence suggests that they are a little bit addicting. And there's a little bit of it in milk, a lot of it in cheese, and I think that's why people tend to crave cheese. Yeah, because it does seem to be something that people have a hard time giving up. And I, they often also ask, what about calcium then? If you give up your milk and your cheese, I mean, we've been led to believe that that's where we get our calcium from. How are we going to replace this? Uh, same thing the cow did. <laughs> <laughs> As you're talking about with iron, the, the cow yeah. is the middle, middle man when it comes to calcium. The cow doesn't make calcium at all. The cow eats calcium in, in grass or other sources and puts it into milk. Um, if you eat green leafy vegetables or beans, you're going to get really high calcium sources. There, there are many other foods that have calcium too, but, but it's good to cheerlead for the beans and the greens. Peans and the greens. So, you know, just for fun, um, what is your favorite junk food these days? Well, I don't really do junk food. Um, you know, when we think of junk food, I think of dairy products and meat and eggs, and, and that really is junk, and that's been out of my diet for a long time. And I have what to about? Say, I have to say, I don't what about? I'm sorry, Dr. What about like a fried vegan food? Is that something you would have once in a while, deep fried vegan food? Tempura? Uh, the rules that I try to live by are I eat vegetables, fruits, whole grains, and beans. I keep the oils really low, so I don't do a lot of fried stuff, really. Um, okay. By the way, it's important. And to you have, don't crave it. It's important to have vitamin B12. I should make a point of that. You need vitamin okay. B12 for healthy nerves and healthy blood, and animals don't make it. Plants don't make it. Uh, it's made by bacteria. Um, but for a variety of reasons, I believe people should be supplementing vitamin B12. And so I add okay. that to my rules. But um, if I were to go out to a, a, a nice restaurant tonight, and I might have a spaghetti with an arrabbiata sauce or something like that, or if, uh, there are a lot of sushi restaurants around where I work. And I wouldn't have the fish sushi, of course, but I would have the vegetable sushi, the cucumber sushi or whatever it might be, along with all the exotic salads and miso soup. Um, there are a number of Korean and Thai restaurants here with many, many, many uh, uh, vegan choices. 
you know, dairy isn't part of their tradition. They got so many meatless things too. So, to tell you the truth, if you told me I had to stop being vegan and I had to go back to eating roast beef, baked potatoes, and corn the way I grew up, that would be a really sad diet. My what I eat now is much more exciting. So you enjoy, you're enjoying the way you eat. You feel good in your body and, I mean, you know the science and you're not craving or feeling like you're missing out. It's like quitting, it's like quitting smoking. I quit smoking 30-some years ago. And for the first week or two, you crave cigarettes. And then after a, a, a week or two, you are thrilled. And you are so glad to have that out of your life and that your clothes don't stink and you know you're not going to get lung cancer, hopefully. When a person gets away from meat and, and dairy products and so forth, for the first week or so, you might feel that the new foods that you're eating are a little bit light and so forth. But what you discover is that pretty soon you start to prefer it, and you like the way you feel, and your energy is great, and your digestion is better, and people start saying, what are you doing? You look fabulous. And then as the years go by, when other people are looking older and they say, well, you look really pretty healthy, um, those that's that's something you can't buy. And so eating a healthy plant-based diet, a vegan diet, it's not the extreme end of your diet exploration. It's the beginning of it. Start there, and then you'll discover all of the wonderful foods and products and books and websites that are there to help you. So along with the plant-based diet, uh, you talked about a healthy lifestyle. So that includes regular exercise. Uh, what does Dr. Bernard advocate in terms of exercise? What I do is three times a week, I go to the airport, and I carry massively heavy luggage, and I arrive at the very last minute before the plane takes off. So I run like, <laughs> I run like heck for the plane. I do that three times a week, and it keeps my blood going. All right, no, seriously. Uh, seriously? Seriously? Uh, no, this, seriously, I like to actually go out for a run about three times a week. But if if a person isn't a runner, I would say brisk walk, 40 minutes, three times a week. That's that's a good exercise program. So three times a week, it's, it's important that it be not once every six months. Three times a week <laughs> is good. And at least a half hour, preferably more, of getting your heart pumping a little bit. Great. So we're going to take another short break. And Dr. Bernard, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about some of the ethical things uh, that you did discuss when I met with you. And I, I think they're important to bring up. And um, it's, it's, it's a, a touchy subject, but I would like to sort of review some of the things you mentioned to us and the audience went on the cruise and um, go through the other factors, uh, other reasons to consider a plant-based diet. We'll be, right back. we'll be right back with Straight Talk with Sandra Reese. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Spa Munari is a full-service wellness day spa located at the heart of West Island, Quebec. Submerge yourself in beauty with one of our many treatments, specially catered to your needs. 
We offer facials, manicures, pedicures, hair removal, massages, body treatments, and so much more. Enjoy our ultimate relaxation experience with our spa packages. We offer a men's menu as well. Call us today to book your next appointment at 514-695-5040 or visit us on the web at spamunari.com. That's 514-695-5040 or spamunari.com. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at HelpForAnxietyDepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or HelpForAnxietyDepression.com. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So I'm back with Dr. Bernard, and when I sat listening to him and all the research that his, you know, all the research that was presented as he's talked today about disease and about living a healthier life and about how wonderfully food can heal us, at a certain point in his lecture, he presented a little bit on the ethical um, conundrum of uh, eating animals. And I've never really been a fan of being scared, uh, using fear as a way to motivate people, but I thought you presented it in such a, you know, a straightforward, not fear-based way. And what happened is my husband, in listening to this as parents, uh, you talked about how dairy farming works. And for the listeners listening, we're not going to get gory, don't worry. But as my husband and I sat there as parents, um, and I, I will want you to tell the listeners this, we had to really look at, as parents, how we felt about what you were saying. And my husband, who was a little bit more resistant to, you know, all the research didn't convince him. But when he heard this story, we came home, and I, I don't know if you remember this, Dr. Bernard, but I did come up to you and ask you how I would talk to my daughter about this. I followed your exact advice, and it, it actually brought our family even closer together. So uh, I don't want to be too mysterious. If you could take our listeners through... Um, how the cheese and milk production works in terms of cows being impregnated and what happens um, so that people understand without getting completely freaked out where there is some, some difficulty that we need to consider as humans who care about a peaceful planet. Sure. Um, you know, for me as a physician, we tend to focus on fat and cholesterol and the parts of foods that hurt our body. So if I'm looking at a hunk of cheese... That's what we talk about. It's loaded with fat. It's got saturated fat and so forth. But then I often think that it's useful to look at the other side of it. Where did it come from? Because I have to say, when I'm talking to a 15-year-old kid, they're not so worried about cholesterol, but they want to know. Exactly. They want to know did, did, what happened to the cows to, 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 to make this. And it's, it's curious. So many of us have really no idea. 
And to state the, the most obvious thing that people don't think about is cows don't make milk. Cows don't make milk. Um, wow. Any more than a woman is making milk or your, your cat is making milk. Female animals only make milk when they have a baby. So for a cow to make milk, she's got to be pregnant. And then after she delivers, then she'll have milk for her baby. And, of course, if the baby drinks it, there isn't any left for us to take. So dairy farming relies on, number one, impregnating the cows, and the cows are artificially inseminated typically every year. And it's done in a way that's not very appealing, but you could go into any dairy, and if they will let you watch it, you see a man take his left hand, he puts a big sleeve from his fingers all the way to his shoulder. That left arm goes up the, the cow's rectum, and he, from the rectum he can reach through the intestinal wall and feel the uterus. And once he feels the uterus, then with his right hand he takes what looks like a knitting needle and puts it up the other orifice of the poor cow and injects what is going to cause the cow to become pregnant. I'm not going to go into too much more detail because people are already probably holding their stomach. Um, the cow then is impregnated, and about nine months later, just like in a human, the cow will give birth. If the, if the calf were to take the milk, there's not enough left to make cheese, so you can't allow the mother to keep her kids. Uh, so the male calves are all sold off for slaughter as veal. Um, and no civilized person is going to eat veal because they know how cruel that industry is. Well, there's always going to be veal, as long as there's dairy. The females will join the dairy herd. Uh, because you can milk them later. And every year, it, it happens every year, the cows are imp- artificially inseminated, their, their babies are taken away from them, and they, the mothers cry out. They say, you know, I don't care what species you are. The mother-infant bond is the strongest bond we have. And the dairy, yes. industry, the dairy industry requires impregnating the women and removing their offspring so that we can have their mammary tissue produce milk that we are going to take. Yeah. Um, and then by the time the cow is about four, she's no longer earning her keep. She's not producing enough milk anymore. Um, and so she will then be sold off as hamburger. And that's the way the industry works. Now, the female calves, I mentioned, they're not sold for veal. They're, they can join the dairy herd. Their horns are typically cut off. Um, it's a gruesome procedure. Um, if they get to them early enough, they call it disbudding. They remove the horn bud, but it's very creepy to see uh, in any case. And just one piece after another after another of this industry is grotesque. And if you believe you have to do it, well, then maybe it's a little more forgivable. But once you realize that dairy products aren't necessary, they aren't even good for you. People who avoid them are healthier than people who eat them then why are we doing this? And the yeah. last thing is if you look at the mass of cattle in Canada, or, or take all of North America, if you, if you put all the cows on one side of the balance and all the humans on the other side of the balance, the cows outweigh us. There are more than 100 million of them at any given time. Each one's as big as a sofa. And each one is busily bething, belching methane that is a very potent greenhouse gas. The point I'm making, it's bad for you, it's bad for the environment, and it's bad for the animals, too. There was a time where you could debate that. That time is gone. We now know that this is a product we want to get out of our lives. You know, being in the psychology field and, you know, understanding 
you know, as many people do about the attachment between a mother and a child. That was very powerful for me. Um, and I, you know, I wonder, like I, I've often wondered, you know, all my life when I find out things, how come we don't all know this? So I know that we turn our backs sometimes on the gory details, but you know, how come we don't know about, um, because I think that there's something that every person can relate to the idea of their child being taken away from them. And one of the things that you presented is that there was like a headline you showed us from Newbury, where there were like strange noises being heard. And you want to tell us a little bit about that? It, it was a, it's a little New England town where the police were called because there was this banshee-like wail that was going on and on all night long. And the, the newspaper reported it the next morning. They said the police were called, and they wanted to reassure, reassure everybody that there was nothing mysterious happening in town. What it was was the wailing of the cows, whose calves had been taken away. It was calving season um, on the dairy farm, and they were crying out for their calves. And the police said, don't worry, that's just the way it is in the dairy, and it happens every year at the same time. And you have to think, that's misery that the people are creating and and we don't have to do it and it's time to stop it yeah well we don't you know what it is and that's why i so appreciate the work you do is we just don't i don't know if it's that we turn our back or we don't know this we all know that animals aren't treated that well but we i don't think that we know the whole details of a mother giving up her child you showed a picture of a cow crying i mean i certainly didn't know that cows could cry um, and I don't think most people do, and I consider myself an educated person. So uh, and that's one of the blockages, is how come we're kept from this? You know who else will cry? Is You should look at what happens when the kids who are raised on farms and they, they participate in the 4-H or the Future Farmers of America or whatever, and they raise their calf or they raise a sheep. And then they're, they're going to sell them at auction, and they, they really hope that they're successful and they win a blue ribbon. And then after they raise it, and then suddenly something happens. Somebody takes that animal away. Yeah. And then they suddenly realize that their, their friend, whom they have nursed and, and brought up from, from infancy, is going to have his throat slit pretty soon. And you see these kids bawling their eyes out. And then something happens where they harden up and they think, I don't want to be a sissy. And for the rest of their lives, they try to shut out the feelings of compassion which actually would be good for them to remember. And this kind of hazing is something that, that does not enrich us as a culture. To have, to have compassion is all too rare. And when you look at people who are, who are vegetarian and vegan, th- these are the, the Albert Einsteins of the world. You know, uh, as you probably know, he became a uh, vegetarian because of, of animals, and, and other very bright and very compassionate people have done exactly the same thing. And that really enriches our culture. Now, for me as a doctor, I have to say, your coronary arteries don't care why you change. If, if you change because of the animals or for some other reason, it's all to the good. Right. So it could be purely selfish. I want to live a longer, better quality life. I want to take weight off. Or it could be that I'm concerned that mother's children are being taken away from them. It really doesn't matter at the end, in terms of the coronary arteries. In terms of our society, I think you make a very good point. It's, it reminds me of you know that famous poem of when we don't care about another culture and they take them away and eventually they come for you. It's the same concept. Is If we're turning on animals and if we're turning on people, how can the world become a more compassionate place? So it is an interesting 
interesting point for people to consider because being a parent and imagining that, and that's exactly how we explained it to our daughter who, you know, I mean, she's 10. She likes ice cream. But the idea that we don't want to hurt animals was one that she could wrap her head around. Like you said, she's not worried about cancer at 10 years old. But she can imagine somebody doing this to her. And yes. she can say, I can't, I can't do this to somebody else. By the way, let me come back to some other thing. Um, we sometimes think that taking care of your health is, a, is self-centered or whatever. But let, let me say that taking care of your health is a really important thing to do. If I'm a dad and I'm risking my health, I could be endangering my seven-year-old daughter. This is true. She, she, she needs a dad who is there with her. She doesn't need a dad who's having a heart attack. Um, and she needs somebody to model for her what good behavior is and what a good diet is. So, so taking care of yourself is a really, really, really important thing to do for other people. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, and I, I, th- I agree with you 100%. I guess I was just making the distinction with the animals as opposed to your own health. But you're right. Your own health is going to impact your family. And quite frankly, I find my mood has changed. I don't know if there's a lot of research. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, sure. It's, exactly. it's quite a, I feel very happy. Now, uh, we're almost out of time. Uh, a couple of quick questions from some listeners. What about sugar? It's not meat. Is it a problem? Uh, it's, yeah, sugar is not really health food. Now, having said that, there are natural sugars. Apples and oranges and fruits have sugars that, that are good. They, they power your body. Um, however, if you're having lots and lots and lots of sugar thrown into a soda, that's calories you don't need. Um, however, it's, to, to my view, sort of number three or number four on the problem scale. I'm going to start off with meat and dairy and eggs really being the big problems. And once you get away from those things, then you want to improve your diet and get away from the sugary junk, too. What about fish? We didn't get to fish. What about fish? Is it okay? Is it not okay? Not okay. Um, fish is, uh, when you're eating fish, you're eating a muscle just like you're eating a muscle from a cow or a chicken. Now, it has cholesterol. It has bad fat. The reason people try to say, well, fish is better is it, has, it does have more omega-3. Those are the good fats. However, most of the fat in fish is not omega-3. And secondly, fish is extremely high with toxins, worse than just about any other food. So, and, and plus, uh, for, if you're talking about the humane aspects of it, fish isn't particularly keen to be eaten. That's why when you hook them, they struggle and fight and try to get away. Um, yeah. Of course, we turn a blind eye to that, but, but from, a, from a health standpoint, um, no, fish is more like meat than it is like broccoli. Wow, okay. And one more quick question before we start to wrap it up is soy. Okay, so soy we heard years ago was linked with breast cancer for women, and now we're hearing that soy is okay. What's the truth here? Uh, the truth is soy is okay. Um, and the detail is that back in the 1920s, scientists discovered that in soy products there are compounds called isoflavones. Their chemical mm-hmm. structure looks somewhat like estrogen. It is not estrogen, but it looks somewhat like it. So many people had the idea, what if, uh, what if these compounds are estrogen? What if, wouldn't they cause a woman to develop breast cancer? And if she's got cancer already, wouldn't these make the cancer grow? Well, we've had time to test this. And there have been something along the line of 45 different studies showing that when women consume more soy products, tofu and soy milk, their risk of developing breast cancer falls. They're, they're at much less risk. If women are avoid soy, they're at higher risk. So something about the soy products helps prevent breast cancer. 
And then we have more than 10,000 women who have had breast cancer in the past, and then they were tracked to see if they would survive or not. The women who consume the most soy have the best likelihood of survival. Um, their risk wow. of recurrence is cut by about 30%. So you don't need soy products. You do not need tofu. You don't need soy sausage, soy bacon, or soy milk. But if you have them, they are much healthier than what they are replacing. They're better than the meat burger um, or the dairy milk. And your risk of developing cancer is probably going to be cut by about a third. Amazing. Dr. Bernard, you're changing our world. Uh, how do people find you? Oh, well, thank you. Our website is pcrm.org. That stands for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, pcrm.org. And if you're thinking about jumping in, try our Kickstart program. It's three weeks' worth of menus, recipes, all provided to you in a daily email for free. That's called the 21-Day Kickstart program. You'll see it at pcrm.org. That's fantastic. So just say that one more time. The 21 Kickstart program can be reached, found at... Yes, at, at pcrm.org. I can't thank you enough, Dr. Bernard. Thank you for coming on to Straight Talk. Well, thank you. It's been great talking with you today. I hope to speak to you again. This Bye-bye. is Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Keep your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and we'll tune in again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go live your best life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.